When I heard today, here on the Sunday Pod, Mayor de Blasio issue the idea that uh, there were still crowded subways, I almost lost my mind because here I am trying to do what I can to stay at home, going to be home working from here pretty much the rest of the way, I guess. I don't know. We'll see how long. But um, when whenever you see stories that people are still making crowds, that they're still doing whatever and socializing. And by the way, the Post has an article on how millennials are still throwing potluck dinners amongst this whole crazy time pandemic we're in. I just say stop it. No one to fold and just no one to protect your health. Give up on trying to think this is invincible. No one is invincible to this. Um, by the way, if you do see this, this is the wildest part of today. If you see a report, a subway car that's crowded on any of these lines, you have to report it now to 311. De Blasio hasn't really made that a mandate, but he's suggesting it, urging all New Yorkers to do so. Now, here in New York, we have a saying, you know, was it snitches get stitches or something like that? But in reality, I think it's time to report those that are not preventing this uh, spread, that are actually maybe encouraging people to just keep going out. So that's my rant. Now, today I've got a very special guest. His family actually fled from Cuba, and uh, he has some words against socialism and the ideas of Bernie Sanders, and he is Robbie Starbuck, and he joins me right now. Robbie, I had found you on Twitter uh, uh, last year. I've been trying to get you on this podcast. Finally, here you are, and, and just give us a backstory of your life as a Trump supporter. Yeah, I'll, g- I'll give you some background. So, you know, um, I'm a director in Hollywood, obviously. So for people who don't know, um, I've directed tons of celebrities, people like Natalie Portman, um, Megan Fox, Jamie Foxx, um, Smashing Pumpkins, Snoop Dogg. I mean, the list of people I've directed is, is really, really long. Um, and, uh, you know, I was fully aware when I came out as a Republican that it was going to be an unpopular thing to do. But, um, you know... I guess I'm trying to think of a nice way to put this, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't a very nice reaction. But I was ready for that. You know, my backstory is I come from a Cuban family. My mom came here, um, you know, through the the revolution and everything, the the so-called revolution where the communists and socialists took over Cuba. Um, and she was a legal immigrant to the United States. Um, so I was born here, but my family, you know, it was always instilled in me from a very young age what socialism did to my family. It stole everything from them. It stole their home, their business, their car, their possessions. They came here. My mom literally came here with just the clothes she was wearing. So, um, you know, it's like you hear that from people sometimes and it's like a, you know, sort of illustrative thing, but it's not reality. Like she literally came here with just the clothes she was wearing. And, you know, so that family story and what happened to my family that still lives in Cuba because they're stuck there was very instructive to my own politics. Um, and, you know, I saw this trend happening among the left that was not happening earlier in life. And I actually used to, uh, you know, like not be very political because I didn't see socialism happening in the United States. So I didn't really talk about politics. But when I saw the left trending towards socialism and I really saw the excitement around candidates like Bernie Sanders, um, 
you know, that made me even more vocal. But when Trump came out, too, there was a pragmatism that I connected with because, you know, he has a somewhat similar background in terms of entertainment business. And, you know, his policy positions are actually very pragmatic. There's all of this stuff you could find in the news about him being hard right on this or that. And most of them are not rooted in reality. You know, his positions are pretty centrist. Um, so when I came I out, I decided, you know what, there's just not enough people in Hollywood who are honest that are Republican. And I know there's a bunch of them because I know these people and they're afraid. So, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead because I'm lucky. I've made good money. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to take the dive. Doing that, though, was so wholly destructive. I mean, I went from a place where literally everybody I worked with absolutely loved me. Like, it's not an ego thing. Like, I was a very popular person invited to everything, you know. Um, if anything, I was hard to get in terms of that. Like, I wouldn't go to everything I was invited to. Like, I didn't even go when I was up for Best Video Award. Um, I didn't even go to the awards for it. Um, I didn't, haven't even gone when I've won Best Video Awards. Um, it's just not my thing. So um, I went from that to total cutoff, you know, not invited to anything. You know, nobody wants to talk to you and losing contracts with major companies that my production companies had for a very long time, all because I have different politics than they do. Um, and it's not like I've said anything crazy. I've never said anything that was off the wall, you know, like some really horrible extreme position everything that i believe in is a very sort of pragmatic policy position um so that's the background in in the the it sounds long but that's actually kind of a short version of it talking with robbie starbuck on the sunday pod with alex garrett robbie what i gained from that is that you pretty much just stood your ground through all of that you stood your ground and stayed as a trump supporter no matter if you lost friends job offers and whatnot. Well, you, you know, there's a couple ways people can see it. And I think it depends on your personality. You can take it really hard and you can um, sort of question yourself and be like, did I make the right decision? Did I do the right things? Because I'm losing all these things that other people would see as important friendships or important things. To me, it was like a cleansing, you know, and that's how my personality just is. I was like, you know what? None of these people are really your friends or ever were your friends. Any friend of mine that I would call my friend if I disagreed with something they were doing or I felt like they were hurting themselves in some way or doing something dangerous, I would reach out to them and I would stay reaching out to them because they're my friend and I would eat it for them. That's what real friendship is. So in my own um, personality, what really made sense to me is seeing this as a cleansing. You know, these are people who you don't want in your life at those moments that are really critical, things that really matter. Because if they can run away from you over politics and not wanting an association to one of those Republicans, you know, like they would run away from anything, you know? So in that sense, I feel lucky, honestly, I really do. I feel lucky that I don't have those fake friends. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that, Robbie. I got a few of my friends who are maybe on the different side of politics with me, but they're still my friends and I'm talking to them via Zoom, house party, whatever. It, uh, luckily, I've not been in that situation where someone truly X's me out of their life because I have a different opinion than, than them. And, and I'm grateful for that continued friendship, even through politics. Now, I've got to ask you this. You're in Hollywood. Clint Eastwood, a very prominent, prominent Trump supporter, recently said he wouldn't vote for him if Bloomberg was the nominee. Are you surprised of the change? from the Hollywood legend. And have you ever worked with Clint Eastwood? I mean, I, I don't know if I'd say surprised 
it's more, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background on, on conservatives in Hollywood. So there's been a couple groups. Um, one of them was Friends of Abe. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of that. If you haven't heard of it, it was basically it was a group of Republicans that met together in Hollywood. Um, Friends of Abe broke up in 2016. It was like a lot of celebrities and stuff like that and big producers and directors. Um, there was a split between people who believed in Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio and Trump basically. And a uh, large part of the group didn't want an association to Trump. And the other part of the group was like, Hey, we coalesce around the candidate. And even after Trump won the nomination, that other group of people that they were like, look, we'll get behind him. We'll support him, but we're not doing it vocally. There was so much worry that a list of the members was going to get out to the media that they just decided to abandon the group totally. So a second group was born that is a secret today that's like a smaller group of people that are people who are still afraid of that happening, but they they kind of like see it as a way to meet and share values with people who believe the same thing. But it's very, very, very tight. Like you can't get into this group. I know it's so, a very secretive organization. I've heard of it and a couple of friends have been in there, but that's uh, yeah i've done i've done a speaking thing for it um and it's 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 a good group but you know it's um it's sad that that's like the lengths that people have to go through to just have a mainstream political opinion we're not talking about like supporting some crazy you know nazi party or something we're talking about supporting the party that literally elected the president of the united states Okay, so we're talking about a mainstream political party. We're talking about something that's very pragmatic. And people in an industry are so afraid of people knowing that that they go through great lengths to hide it. You know. So um, back to your original question, though, about Clint Eastwood, I'm not shocked by it because there's so much pressure on people um, to not support him. You know, you look at some of the people who have supported him and they've been hammered, just absolutely hammered, even just guilt by association, like, Somebody like Mark Burnett, he's doing fine and everything, but like they've gotten a lot of heat, him and his wife, just by association to Trump. You know, right? Because um, he produced the appendix like, those are not a war. Exactly, and it's not like he's come out and been like this huge Trump supporter, and even he gets blowback for it. You know, so even just association is bad enough, basically. Um, but it's you know, so I'm not shocked by it. He's also you know. Um, He's not what I would describe as like a populist anyway, somebody like Clint Eastwood. Uh, I would see myself more as like a populist conservative. So the pragmatism within Trump's policies that are more geared towards the people are something that are easy for me to connect with. Whereas, you know, I think the split there, too, is that if Trump was not the nominee and say somebody like Marco Rubio was, I would still support Marco over somebody like Bernie Sanders. And I would do it, you know, full hearted, you know with everything I've got, because it's that important to me that socialism does not become you right. know, reality in, in America. So, um, you know, I guess that's the difference between me and somebody like Clint Eastwood. He feels like he can afford four years of, you know, dipping deeper into the left. I don't feel like America should really be playing games with that because you take four years that way and potential of the Supreme Court leaning in their direction and then the potential of universal voting where you're allowed to do ballot harvesting. And at that point, if you're allowed to ba ballot harvest everywhere in the United States, like they did in Orange County this year in California, what you would see is, is Democrats would perpetually win everywhere because they would use the same tactics they used in Orange County to, um, you know, it's basically, it's, it's, it's not a true democracy anymore. You can't trust the vote at that point when people can just 
grab ballots out of mailboxes, fill them out and drop them off at a county clerk and have their vote counted, even though they're not the person on the name there. You know, that's a very dangerous system. And that's something they pushed for just now in this relief bill for coronavirus. They pushed to have universal voting and universal ballot harvesting across the U.S. Republicans did not give into it during this bill, but it's something that's very important to them. So that's the difference, I guess, between me and somebody like Clint Eastwood. He's willing to risk those things over four years um, as long as he's still invited to the parties and stuff. I'm not. People that are still going to those parties, Robbie, I mean, some of them are very left, very liberal, and they are kind of rooting for a prolonged shutdown. They want. Is that about right? Is that what you're seeing as well from the Hollywood scene right now during coronavirus? Or are there any positives you're seeing as well from the Hollywood community fighting coronavirus? Well, there's sort of multiple angles here. I'll, I'll, I'll address the first one, and, and then I'll get to the second one, which is sort of my favorite part of it. So with the first one in terms of, like, rooting for a slowdown, absolutely. I mean, they'll root for anything that they think would hurt the president. Um, so they're absolutely leaning in that direction. And I wouldn't say it's like even this, like, you know, they've really thought this out very well. It's that that's what they're hearing from CNN, MSNBC and Democrat political leaders. And so they extrapolate from that, that that's the thing they need to say. So that's where that's coming from with them. And it's the vast majority of them are behaving that way. So on the flip side, though, my favorite part of it is I have never seen them, you know, I guess, unmask so wholly in terms of how desperate they are for attention. Like you see videos of people like Madonna in their bathtub, you know, or Drew Barrymore in her bathroom. And these people are just begging, begging, begging for attention. And it's just so sad. I'm like, how old are you people? You're Mm. literally, you're sitting there in your 60s doing TikTok videos in your bathtub, you know? And I I don't uh, think you can get more uh, desperate. They are ripe for being spoofed. I'm seeing that often a lot on, on yep. Instagram and Twitter. Uh, no, so, but has there any, been any goodwill from this, from that sector? Like any good causes or not really that you're Yeah, no, you know, that's, that's the thing is, I, I think we do have to be fair, you know, in, um, in terms of, you know, so kind of trying to find the good within the bad, you know, and I will say I'm always happy to see big donations and things like that to try to, you know, whether it's getting more masks or feeding kids, things like that. Um, you know, one of my favorites that I saw, and he's he's not a liberal, actually, but he's, um, you know, Drew Brees. He's quarterback for the Saints. Um, sure. He just gave $5 million um, to go to various different things for, I think, testing, feeding kids, and um, masks. So, you know, I've seen some great donations happen. I'm trying to remember all the names. I know um, one of the uh, Kylie... Jenner, she she did. She donated like a million dollars or something like that. There, so there's celebrities who are donating money, and I think that's great and everything. Um, I guess that's some positive you can take from it. I think the greatest positive, though, that's happening right now is these press conferences that the president's Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. That's why all the networks are like scrambling, what do we do? Because their ratings are so high, and they don't want to shut off the ratings valve. But at the same time, they're like, Oh crap! If we keep this going, it's really helping him. So they're 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 struggling with what to do. Um, but the reality is, this whole thing is forcing people who never watched him to watch him because they they're trying to figure out what's going on in their own life. So a lot of people who have just been exposed to Trump is bad, Trump does bad things, don't listen to Trump. They're exposed to him for the first time outside of you know the water cooler negative sort of popularity contest. 
those people being exposed to that is kind of like he's breaking through that wall where a lot of those same people now are going, hey, you know what? He's not that bad. He's actually being pretty pragmatic. He's kind of funny. And it looks like he's doing the right things here. He has supported these doctors. It seems like he built a good team. He acted early. He shut down flights from China. He had, you know, declared this a public health emergency in January. He had a task force assembled in January. You know, he... He's he's acted. He's doing the right things. He's saying the right things. Maybe I've been told some wrongheaded things about him over right. the last couple of years. So people are questioning that. That's why you see his poll numbers now. Gallup just had him at 60 percent approval during coronavirus. ABC News has him at 55 percent. Even Washington Post has him at a positive approval rating for the first time ever. So um, and Washington Post poll is notoriously left leaning. And even they have him up, you know, positive. He's always been underwater in Washington Post poll, even when he won the presidency, even when he was inaugurated. He's never had a positive poll from them. This is the first one. So that should tell people a lot. And beyond that, his approval rating among Democrats has doubled over the last 10 days. So, um, you know, this is something that's really scary to the left is, is seeing that he's flipping people that quickly. Well, here in New York, Robbie, our governor has been actually really amazing dealing with this crisis. He's been. But how would you rate your governor in California, Gavin Newsom, and his uh, response to all of this crisis and this pandemic? So we actually we moved uh, last year. It was it was kind of we moved in July last year to Tennessee. I do follow things in California, though. So I know that uh, Gavin Newsom has been surprisingly, um, you know, trying to work with Trump, which is something somewhat unexpected, I think, for a lot of people that he's he's making some attempts at unity. So I'll give him credit for that. Him and Como have both surprised me pleasantly. So I'm willing to give them credit. I think they've both done a decent job, especially Como more, more so than Newsom. I think they've done a decent job in terms of trying to have a daily handle on this, trying to work with the federal government and giving the federal government Trump and his administration their credit for what they're doing. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll praise them a little bit for that. Um, here in Tennessee, our governor's fully on board with, you know, what the Trump administration's doing. Um, and that was another thing, you know, another reason why we left California was the mismanagement of the state in general. Um, and we wanted to be in a place where we felt like our kids could grow up around like-minded people that would not be hateful towards us for our beliefs because in California, like to give you a, for instance, our oldest daughter, she was, she was called a racist because her dad supported the president, which is ironic because I'm Hispanic. And, um, she was called racist by some Democrats kids that are white because her dad supports a president who believes in border policies, um, having strict borders. And I'm a believer in strict borders too. You know, well, you can't make this stuff up. You literally have kids who know nothing about politics taking whatever their parents have parroted from, you know, been parroted to by Rachel Maddow. And then they repeat it to some kid who they un- they don't even realize is from a Hispanic family. So, you know, that's that's California in a nutshell. Well, I got to ask you. So you when when this tweet that you send out about losing jobs and losing friends and everything went viral. Did you expect that? Did you expect your story to go as far as it has gone? Yeah, I, I'd say I wasn't surprised by it because I've always had a large social media following, you know, so it, it didn't didn't shock me. Um, 
But you know, how about the I'd support say, side of it? Would you say that was kind of surprising that you did get support in favor of what you were doing? Oh no, not from regular people. It doesn't surprise me at all. I, I've always had support from like the people, and that's that's why I say like I see myself more as like a populist conservative because I believe in conservative policies, but I believe in conser- conservative policies that are going to be best for people you know everyday people i'm not gonna fight for mcdonald's you know Mm -hmm. i'm fighting for the people who work nine to five that you know they need to pay their rent and they need to you know pay their mortgage they need to pay for their kids school you know things like that that's what matters to me is fighting for policies to make everybody's lives better um which by proxy makes everything else better so you know um it didn't surprise me that people supported it because I've always had support from people. It's just the industry that doesn't support it. You know, the industry so wholeheartedly committed to resisting Trump that they can't take their blinders off to accept anybody who thinks differently than they do. Well, Robbie, now that you're in Tennessee, what are you doing? Are you still with Hollywood? I know you got a show called Grow Up with your wife. Uh, Tell us about that as well. Tell us about Grow Up. So I have a show with my wife called Grow Up where, you know, we, we sort of it's, – it's sort of podcast format but on video where we discuss issues. We go into, you know, on some episodes sort of discussion episodes like about a specific issue like say abortion or, um, you know, we just shot an episode yesterday with Imam Tawhidi who's also known as Imam of Peace um, where we do an interview. We talk to him about Islam, the misconceptions. He's a reformist, so we asked him sort of like what his reform ideas are within Islam and how he approaches extremism, you know, things like that. So we kind of dive into topics that a lot of other shows, I guess, would be afraid of touching um, because these are things that real everyday people have conversations about. And so we, we take our show from that vantage point of like, what do people talk about? But in terms of uh, the production company, I still have other directors on my company. I've sort of taken a backseat approach to letting them do what they do best and do my best to not have my politics affect their work. Um, And uh, so that still exists. But um, here in Tennessee, I'm sort of on the path of building an alternative ecosystem for entertainment where we can make, you know, shows, documentaries, uh, movies that cater to people who right now have no representation in Hollywood. So that's sort of like, I guess you could say, a world of, of just sort of pragmatic entertainment that conservatives can watch and know that their kids and their family are not going to be brainwashed with leftism. You know, to give you a, an example, you, I took my daughter to go see the new Dora the Explorer movie um, okay. a couple months ago. And within that movie, there were three different points in the movie where they refer to Ruth Bader Ginsburg as a champion of human rights and women's rights and that she's just this amazing person. And it's sold as just this universal truth. Um, and so they, they obviously would never do that for Clarence Thomas. They would never do it for Neil Gorsuch. They would never do it for Brett Kavanaugh. But, you know, for somebody like her, they'll celebrate her in these movies. So it's, it's parents knowing that they can watch something, whether it's an adult movie or a movie that is for the whole family, that they can watch and know that they're not going to have to be getting virtue signaled to every 10 minutes about a social issue or about who they should like or what politician is best. I don't even want to do it in the reverse. I just want people to be able to have entertainment where they can be entertained and none of that stuff seeps into their entertainment. Um, 
So that's that's what we're working on is building sort of an alternative system here where we can do that. And we've got we're we're really encouraged by the creatives here in Tennessee that we've connected with that, um, you know, really have the skills to to be sort of like an alternative to Hollywood. Well, and by the way, talking with Robbie Starbuck and uh, thanks for taking time today to talk about all that. Now, I know that you're also doing the their home because of the distance learning. I, I don't know if you want to share your experience with that. I know that's been kind of a struggle oh, yeah. nationwide. So, well, I, I told you we were on the, we just had to do a Zoom meeting. Yeah, so uh, kids are out of school. I mean, this is a story all over the country. And so we're learning how to do virtual school. And it's, um, I mean, it, it's definitely a major hassle. It's not, um, the kids are frustrated with it. They're, they just can't wait to get back to school, you know. No, I, 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 and I'm sure the parents are a little excited to get them back too, but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, the main thing is we're spending so long on the work with them and like having to like guide everything. It's almost like we're secondary teachers now, you know? And, um, so it's a little hard to get other things done. You know, if you have a bunch of other things that need to be done, it's kind of hard to do that when you're acting as a surrogate teacher, you know? Um, so that part of it's difficult, but to put, I always put things in perspective and I go, you know what, we're not one of these doctors or nurses that have to be in the hospital dealing with these patients at risk of bringing it home. We get to stay home in our beautiful home, you know, on beautiful land, our kids get to go ride horses and stuff like, you know, we, we've got a pretty awesome life by comparison in terms of what a lot of people are dealing with right now. So I put it in perspective that way and go, you know what, if the worst of it is that, you know, we have to deal with some difficult apps that are a pain in the butt and, you know, we have to take some time out of what would normally be time to work to do this. We're pretty lucky. Well, and also if you get some family time there, that's, that's crucial. Uh, I feel like before this happened, everybody really was all over the place. Right. And, 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 and it was just like, how do we function now? It's like, well, maybe we needed a slowdown to really reconnect with our loved ones. You know, my wife and I were actually just talking about this with our kids at lunch today. We were like, you know what? Isn't it so weird? Like we, we uh, were driving to the grocery store and separately because we do like one person will go and the other one stays home. And um, me and my wife both noticed that when we did our trip to the store that there were so many families in their yard playing with their kids. And I was like, I don't think I remember ever seeing that many people in for any other reason but now during this, it's become like the norm. And um, I think that's so good for people. For us, it didn't really change a lot because we've always been very hands-on parents. Like, uh, But it's it's still cool. You know, I mean, it's, it's extra time because they're not at school. Um, like we went on a hike today. Unfortunately, I had to kill a snake on that hike, but we went on a hike today and it was, it was great. You know, there's, um, it was, it was a lot of fun until the snake happened. (laughs) Well, Robbie, I I love your energy and I'd love to have you back. Just, just tell people where we can find you. And, and with regard to the nurses, one of our city councilmen here in New York, Eric Ulrich said, let's put a party on Canyon of Heroes for them. And I totally agree. Our doctors and nurses are the super big heroes now. And so, to connect with you, where can they find you and to find your inspiration during this time? Thanks. Yeah, no, I love being on. Um, if you want to find out more, just follow me. I'm at Robbie Starbuck on every social media platform. So if you do twitter.com slash Robbie Starbuck or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, um, the show Grow Up is on my YouTube, youtube.com slash Robbie Starbuck. And it's uh, R-O-B-B-Y. And then Starbuck is, you know, S-T-A-R-B-U-C-K. Well, we'll we'll find you on there. We'll follow you. We'll also follow you at Grow Up Live. And I actually 
as we get going toward the convention or whatever, we should talk about the whole your background because that was only a small portion I gather. So I'd love to get more of that take from you as well later in the year. Yeah, definitely. I would love that. I know um, uh, I'm doing a Laura Trump is interviewing me um, in April about sort of like the other stuff too. you know, the coming from a socialism, you know, my family coming from a socialist country background stuff. Um, and I think that's sort of a unique perspective right now as we head into because this is a new thing. I mean, you got to think 10 years ago with the Democrats. I don't think very many people in the public had any idea that they would go this far left. And so this is this is sort of a new territory. And Robbie, thanks for joining us today. One last note before I leave. (laughs) I I don't know if this is a positive to leave with you or a negative, but I would think the more hospitals we get up, the faster we'll be able to handle patients that are suffering from coronavirus. But a big announcement today out of the White House briefing just a few minutes ago. Central Park will have a coronavirus hospital. Central Park. Think about that. This is how serious the pandemic is. I do not want to hear people crowding subways. I don't want to hear people in parks. I don't want to hear anything that is now going against the guidelines because that will continue this whole crisis. We have to be doing our part to end our crisis. And you know how we do that? Stay out of the way. Stay out of the way and stop the spread. And by the way, with a little hope, a little hope I do want to say with this hospital happening, with these hospitals going up, might sound panicky, but it's relief. Relief is on the way. That's my final message to you as we end the weekend. I don't even know what to expect this week. Stay calm. Stay with it. Stay strong. And of course, stay faithful and and pray. If you are a praying person, do so as well. I'm Alex Garrett. Thank you, Robbie Starbuck. And, and thank you to all our first responders, our medical personnel, our doctors, EMS, nurses, and all those working to heal these patients left and right. We can't, we're not in your shoes and we don't know what it's like, but we can only say thank you for doing what you're doing this very night. I'm Alex Garrett. Have a great rest of your Sunday.